Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. Today, I wanted to focus on a wealth topic. Um, Markets have been... I guess, or have had a rocky start to the year. So for 2022 so far, and there's a lot of factors contributing to the volatility we're seeing, um, which includes interest rate increases, uh, inflation concerns ongoing, and of course that the war that is ongoing as well. So I think first, first of all, you know, it's important to take some time to remember and acknowledge that unfortunately these big factors are really out of our control. Um, and when things are not going well, generally our first reaction is, you know, in life, if something's not working, it's not going well, well, we want to do something, we want to fix it. But again, these are much bigger issues that unfortunately, they're not, they don't have an easy fix. Um, so we do have to give them some time to actually play out. But in the meantime, I wanted to take this time in this episode to focus on what you can do for your money and investments by talking about strategies for dealing with difficult markets. So if that's the state we're in right now, which you know it's it appears that we have been in for since the start of the year, well, let's then talk about what to do, strategies for dealing with difficult markets. Um, So first off, I would suggest that reminder to have a long-term approach when it comes to investing. Um, Any sharp, like, decline in the stock market is often accompanied, of course, by a lot of negative headlines in the media. So we are hearing words like crisis, um, meltdown, like there's very dramatic, negative information that is being given to us. Um, But the fact is, volatility is a normal part of investing, uh, unfortunately. And so we do have to remember that dips in the market happen, and they've happened before and they will happen again. Um, Specifically, or like as an example, there's been 10 declines exceeding 20% in the Canadian markets since 1977. So that just proves to you that this has happened before. This is something that occurs, this volatility, these dips in the market. And in fact, there's been 10 declines exceeding 20%. So some big dips, there's been 10 of them over 20% since 1977. But over the long run, what's important for us to remember is that market declines have always been followed by even greater recoveries. So in each past decline, the stock market eventually retraced their losses and it went on to post new highs. So in the short term, the stock markets move in cycles and they go up and down. Um, But in the long term, if we can kind of step back and take that long-term view of the stock markets, the trend is up. So the S&P 
TSX Composite Index um, has posted some very respectable average returns um, over 45 years. So if you take the 45 years period ending December 31st, 2021, the average annual return for the S&P TSX Composite Index was 10.2% over that time. But to reach that return, investors had to go through that up and down, that you know, the peaks, the valleys as well. Um, So it wasn't all just a straight trajectory of that 10% per year, not at all. There were higher years, there were lower years and things in between. Um, So one strategy for dealing with market volatility and and remembering this long-term focus is to try to put the daily news into a long-term perspective. So again, we're we're bombarded by daily news in our lives of in in all respects of life. But if we can kind of take that longer-term perspective when it comes to investing and money, um, despite all the negative news, we know that recessions do end, businesses continue to operate, and economies and markets do recover, and then they do grow as well when we have looked long-term, okay? So that's the reminder of let's look long-term when we look at investing. Second, um, so when dealing with difficult markets, it's really important to remember that when you're investing, you do need to be diversified. And market, the moments when markets are sort of, you know, coming down or having um, some of these volatile type days that we're seeing, that's when we're really reminded of the importance of diversification, I think. Um, Because if you're not diversified, you're going to really see your portfolio reacting a lot more to the volatility than you would if things are more diversified, more spread out. So diversification is a key principle in investing. And it's just that reminder of we can't put all our eggs in one basket. Um, And this helps in, in a sense, diversification it should theoretically help reduce your overall risk and volatility. So how can you diversify? What does that mean? Well, you can diversify through the type of asset class you're investing in. So investing in stocks and also investing in bonds and having cash and cash equivalents in your portfolio. So again, that's a reminder. Some people wonder, you know, you're not supposed to have or think you're maybe not supposed to have cash or why would there be a cash and um, investment portfolio. But um, remember, cash is a tool as well, and it can be put to use for opportunities in the market when things are going down, when there's a specific stock maybe that looks like a good price. Um, so cash is an investment and, and cash and equivalents, you know, using things like Guaranteed investment certificates, so GICs, the very low risk um, cash-like investment, for instance, where you are going to get a bit of a return on your cash and, you know, maybe a little bit more so now because rates are rising. Um, Diversification through country. So instead of being invested in just the country you live in, whether it be, you know, if you're in Canada or the U.S., making sure that your portfolio is diversified internationally. So maybe if you're in Canada, you have some Canadian exposure, some U.S. exposure, and some international exposure. Being diversified through the the sectors, so having things like, okay, maybe you have some healthcare um, sector stocks, you have some technology-related stocks, and then you have some, you know, consumer staples, for instance, or utilities, because when markets are not doing so well, well, where are the 
where are the maybe potential companies that are still doing okay or performing um, if we think of you know recessionary periods or um, when people are cutting back on spending well what are the things they're not cutting back on and if we can kind of have that in focus maybe those are those consumer staples the things that people are just going to keep buying no matter what because you know that's the last to cut back on maybe they're first going to cut back on the luxuries and and the travel and things like that but they're the last things to cut back on they're maybe not going to really change a lot to do with their you know, like standard groceries or, um, or their utilities, like their electricity and things like that, that they use. So that's that reminder of sectors and being diversified across the sectors, because some do perform better than others. And with what we're going through right now in the market, for instance, you know, the energy sector is performing well, based on obviously, um, the conditions of the world and the world events, but it's really hard to tell before something happens, what that sector is going to be. So that's the idea of why we're diversified to begin with. So when something does happen, you have a little bit of um, variety and you're, you're spread out over different sectors. Um, and, you know, if you're investing in more diversified products in general, um, like we're talking um, ETFs, so exchange traded funds, mutual funds, those in themselves are going to be quite diversified for the most part. Um, of course, if you're having one that's a specific theme, um, not so much maybe, but if you have those types of investments in your portfolio, a lot of diversification is probably already being achieved through using these types of products because ETFs exchange traded funds, mutual funds, they're baskets of different holdings. Another way to diversify is the number of holdings. So if you are investing in just individual stocks in your portfolio, there's a big difference for if you have, for instance, just two stocks or four stocks in your portfolio versus 25 or 30 stocks or 50 stocks. Um, If you only have a couple a big event or big company specific event could massively impact your portfolio. Um, you know, bad news for a specific company can br- bring down the stock price of that company. And if that was one of two holdings or three holdings in your portfolio, you're going to really see um, the impact of your portfolio on your portfolio from something like that. And then, of course, we can also invest in different sizes of companies. So when we think about investing, oftentimes you hear about investing in you know large companies, blue chip companies, they call it as well. Um, and that's great because they're very probably well-established companies. They have a proven track record of revenue and things like that versus smaller companies um, because when markets are more volatile, it's probably the smaller companies that you're going to see um, move more to the negative. And again, just with fear of, okay, is this event going to actually impact their ability um, to sustain profits and revenue and stay in business for a small company versus a larger company? They can probably kind of, you know, handle some of the the highs and some of the lows too and, and sort of wait it out. So that's why we're diversifying. Those are some of the ways or the the sort of factors or elements you can look at for diversification. And, you know, why is diversification so important? Well, again, each 
asset, each holding, um, each product, whether it's, like I said, ETFs, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, cash, they all perform differently as economic conditions change. And there's no way to predict which one will be the leader, obviously, before an event has happened. So we kind of only see what's what happens and what plays out when the event occurs. Um, so I have this when I'm doing like my some of my presentations and things like that about investing in person or um, over a Zoom when I have them. Um, there's this colorful chart that they have that shows returns in the ranking of different asset classes um, each year throughout kind of the last 10 plus years. And although this is a podcast and I maybe can't show you the visual, visual um, I can at least share with you that what this chart really shows is that each asset class has varied dramatically over the past, you know, 10, 20 years. So what was the best performing thing or element? Maybe it was Canadian bonds were the best performing one year. Well, that wasn't necessarily the next the case for the following. You know, maybe the year after that it was U.S. equities and then it was Canadian equities. And I'm just throwing out random ideas for you here. I'm not specifically stating, you know, which year and which one was, but just to give you that idea of what's on top one year doesn't necessarily mean it's going to cont- keep being that top performer consistently year over year. And what we've seen is it's that's not the case. So having that diversification, um, having a little bit of variety um, that we can have, you know, a few of these different products that we're able to you know, weather out some of these ups and downs, have some of the the better performing stocks, for instance, when markets are going down. And of course, when markets are going down in general, it doesn't mean that, you know, diversification is going to save you entirely from that, right? Oftentimes, when we're just going through big events, um, big economic condition changes, um, big geopolitical events in the world, we're often going to just see an overall decrease across the board. But within that, maybe there's certain sectors or products that aren't going down as much, which is, you know, nice to see and kind of have a little bit of a reprieve on your portfolio that it doesn't go as down down as much because of that diversification. So again, unfortunately, diversification is not going to protect you entirely from some of the um, movements in the market, but it is one way to assist. Um, so thirdly, I want to talk about for strategies for dealing with difficult markets, a really important one is resisting the urge to try to time the market. This one's so important. So the ideal strategy, of course, if you think about just investing, um, you know, what would you want to do? Well, you'd want to sell um, right before the market goes down and you'd want to buy right at the bottom when it begins to move up. That's the ideal scenario, right? You want to find the very top of the market before it moves down because that's the point where you want to sell your investments. And then you also want to find the very bottom when it's bottomed out completely and it's back on its way up. And that's when you want to be buying. And and that's great. And, you know, if if that was possible and we were all able to do that, I think we'd all be probably multimillionaires. You wouldn't even be listening to this right now. (laughs) Um, But it's just that reminder that it's, you know, the execution of that is nearly impossible. I don't even think, you know, the greatest investors of all time would claim that they can do that kind of a move with with that precision. Um, What generally ends up happening is when people try to time the market is they 
end up selling close to the bottom. Um, so not at the top, but closer to where it's bottoming out. And then that, you know, getting back into the market and having the courage to go back into the market takes some time to a point where the market's already recovered some. And so it's leaving them, you know, potentially in a worse position because if they sell at the bottom and they buy on the way up, you know, they, they're worse off than if they would have just stayed the course. So historically, there has been no indicators that have con- consistently predicted the direction of the market, um, you know, with that 100% accuracy. So even the economy is not a reliable predictor of the stock market, unfortunately, which sounds odd, but it is that the market often rebounds months before a recovery is evident. So the market's often steps ahead and it starts moving before we've even seen, you know, the positive changes and and catalysts um, widespread in the market. So when the market does recover, the gains can happen quickly. And again, if it's too quickly to try to get back in when we're timing, so you jumped out and now, okay, when's the right time to get back in? If you miss some of the best days of strong returns, it can have a huge impact on your portfolio. So as an example, um, for an investor who stayed invested in the Canadian stock market over the 30 years ending September, December 31st, 2021. So as of last year, they stayed invested the 30 previous years, they would have averaged an annual return rate of just over 8%. But missing the 10 best days would have reduced that return to 5.7%. And missing the 25 best days would have given them a return of 3.6% per year. So that's a huge difference. So just missing the 10 best days over 30 years, and again, you likely are going to miss a couple of the best days if you're jumping in and out, um, that can bring it down by, you know, two plus percent. And then missing the 25 best days can bring it down by about 5%, which compounding over a yearly basis has huge implications on the resulting, you know, balance in your portfolio. Um, So just, again, missing a few of these big return days can have a major impact. And in that case, it means that people would have been better off to stay the course over that time period. So again, it's, it's really weird and almost counterintuitive, I find, to like comprehend that. Because again, markets are going down. We want to do something. The obvious first reaction is probably, okay, you know, get out, run for the hills, wait till things calm down, then get back in. That's great in theory. And if you could execute that, that would be fabulous. But the challenge is executing it and doing it perfectly on both sides, selling at the right point and buying at the right point. And again, it's very, very hard to achieve. Okay, so that's all about timing the markets. Um, so y- accepting that we're not as, you know, as smart and we don't have that crystal ball, unfortunately, to be able to time it with that precision. Um, another point about what to do in difficult markets is um, just investing on an ongoing basis if you can. So that's including when the markets are down. And again, that might feel uncomfortable and sound uncomfortable, but a great Warren Buffett quote for difficult times in the markets, which I like, is be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. So in those times where people are fearful, when they're saying all is 
you know, all hope is lost and markets are done and they're not coming back up. And um, if you're, if that's kind of what's going on, well, that's maybe the time that he's suggesting that you get greedy, that you look to go buy in the markets, um, that that's an opportunity. So it's a reminder to us that investing when things are going down is a great strategy and can work in your favor in the long term, right? If you can buy on those dips, it's always just going to add for what you have position-wise in the long run when things do go back up, um, which which I've said, you know, near the beginning of this podcast is what has historically happened in the markets, that they have come back up. So, when markets are down, though, it's usually the last thing that people want to do is invest. But think back just even a few years ago to the global pandemic when it first started. Um, the markets went down and they went down fast. And if you had added money when they were declining and during that time where it was, again, that feeling of, well, this is you know terrible. The world is shutting down everything's stopping and it is that's very uncomfortable to think well yeah now (laughs) yay here's the opportunity that's probably wasn't what was going through your mind but in fact it really was because the markets did go on to rebound and um and have you know come up since that that dip during COVID so it was an opportunity to invest however most people again the the emotional response um was run away from the markets and just come back, you know, later when things look better. But that's maybe exactly actually exactly the opposite of what you could or should be doing um, for the opportunity of buying low. So if adding to your investments when the markets are down still sounds difficult, again, uncomfortable to execute, I completely get that. Because um, again, I see it all the time with with actual well, people and not wanting to do it. So I know that that is the case. Um, it's one thing to say it in theory, like, yes, it's great, buy when things are down. But the, how many people actually action on it? Very few. So if that's a difficult strategy, then I would say just having a strategy where you're adding to your investments on a regular reoccurring basis is a great way to kind of get around that emotional tug of like, oh, I don't really know if I should or this feels uncomfortable. And then having your ongoing amounts just added. Maybe it's each pay period. So maybe you get paid on the 1st and the 15th of the month and you put away $500 each pay period or $200 each pay period and it goes into your investments and it's, and it's added to the markets. And so the markets are going up, the markets are going down, um, they're going sideways, whatever it is, you're just saying, I'm just continuing to add on a regular basis. I'm going to catch some of those down days. Maybe I'll even catch the exact bottom by chance by just putting it on those specific days. And I'm just going to keep averaging in. So it's called um, average cost basis when you're doing this kind of strategy um, and you're averaging in at different prices, but it's giving you that access to the ups and downs. Because again, we go back to the point, it's very t- difficult to time the markets. So if you can invest on an ongoing basis or invest in those times where it feels uncomfortable, and again, just having it do it automatically for you um, to kind of take out that, that emotional pull if you're feeling uncomfortable. Okay, and lastly, difficult markets. I just want to remind you to keep the focus on you and your goals. So in difficult times, there's so much information and so much opinion circling um, and it gets 
overwhelming and you start questioning everything, you know, and it, it's stressful. You start questioning, what am I doing? Is it, you know, is this I, everything I'm doing wrong? Should I be doing something else? Um, is this the right strategy? Well, again, you have to remember you have no control over the external forces. So those are going to happen and they're always going to happen. They're always going to be here. Um, you know, where we're at next year and what those are and, and what's going on in the world. You know, we probably don't know at this point in time, but there's probably going to be something um, that's that's making news headlines and whatnot. So instead of getting swept up in that fear and anxiety, there's more positive ways to expend your energy. Um, and staying focused on you and your personal goals is one way to kind of keep in that that energy of positivity and and um, opportunity and where you're going and, and have that be the focus. So what is it that you're aiming to achieve with your finances? What are your short-term goals, medium-term goals, long-term goals? Take some time and just think about those again. Plan those out. Write them down if you haven't or go back to them and write them down again as that reminder because it feels really good to th- think about, you know, the dreams, the, the desires and where you're going. Um, it gets you feeling back into the driver's seat of of you know what you want to achieve where you want to go versus feeling very out of control um and very anxious and scared of what's going to happen just doing something like that just brings us back it centers us to remember okay this is what i want this is where i'm going um and and that's that's the focus and and focus on your financial victories to keep that positive vibe too so let's say you wanted, you had a goal to pay down your debt in 2022 and you're well on your way to paying off your credit card. You know, celebrate that. Show your, like, show yourself, okay, this is where it was before. This is where I am now. That's amazing. And and giving yourself that reminder and that, you know, pat on the back or the high five is a great thing to do because it gets you into that, that positive, that I can do it mentality versus, you know, all hope is lost, which it's easy to get pulled into that mentality when that's what we're hearing and seeing around us. So um, yeah, maybe your goal was you wanted to save more. So you started ongoing deposits of a couple hundred dollars into your tax-free account and you just started that this year. Again, give yourself a pat on the back. Give yourself that victory. Um, you know, spend time in that. Don't discount or forget to celebrate the successes to, that show how far you've come because those are worthy of your time and attention and it will keep that focus positive and optimistic. And again, on the things that you can control, which is where it's better to be expending our energy on, on what we can do, on what we have done. Um, those small victories too, they add up to much bigger overall contributions to building your wealth. So they might not seem like much, but in the world of investing and growing your money, you know, we always talk about compounding and how every little bit helps. And so these are big things that are really going to make a big impact. Um, So congratulations for doing them and make sure you're giving yourself the much needed congratulations for doing those. So that wraps up my podcast for today. Um, Again, difficult markets are extremely they're uncomfortable and they're just overall not a fun experience to be going through. But a natural part of markets is that they move. And part of that is that they will also move down, unfortunately. So 
try to keep the focus on the things you can control, the things you can do, and reflect on those victories anytime you feel the negative outweighing the positive. Um, because that's kind of at least going to help you keep your headspace in in the positivity and the possibility and where you're going. Um, so thank you so much for listening in to this episode. And I will catch you on next week's episode. Goodbye for now. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much. And I will catch you next time.